Hi, welcome back to Perspective, a space to hear all sides of every story. I'm Dory. And I'm Pragya. And today we're joined with some students from across Kentucky and our nation for a roundtable type discussion on what played out at our nation's capital last week on January 6th. To start, I just wanted to put some of this discussion into perspective. Today, we are grounding ourselves in a much needed conversation, one that stagnated the attention of individuals all across our community, our state, our nation, even around the world. On January 6th, we witnessed something that very few of us were prepared for. For the past four years, we've all felt a certain way about our nation. Some have felt heartache, others loss loss of family members and loved ones, or the loss of the basic moral values of our nation. Some of us have found grounding in a move towards racial justice. Some of us have amplified the nature of double standards within the law enforcement system and the true meaning of systemic injustice. Others have felt more patriotic than ever in this moment. But until about now, we've witnessed aching division and unparalleled disconnect from the true values of the United States of America. The values that were built to unite us have felt the exact opposite. The values that seem most salient, investing in science, manifesting empathy, embracing diversity, rooting our policies in equity and justice, and strengthening the integrity of our democratic system of government have felt like some of our nation's deepest fissures over the past four years, and so deeply in just the past few weeks. You know, you mentioned double standards, and I think that in this discussion, we really want to recognize that these were so prominent throughout this event, what with the comparison between this insurrection and the protests for racial justice just this last summer. You know, I can remember when saying a single life mattered was so controversial, but now an uprising of this extreme is talked down to a level of mere normalcy. We invest billions of dollars in our law enforcement, but when an attack is played out on what is meant to be our nation's most secure landmark, no one is prepared. Highlighting the fact that the future of this country is being held together by one string, moments ago, we learned of the second impeachment of Donald Trump, a record in our nation's history. If there's absolutely nothing else that we as a nation can agree on, it's that what happened on January 6th illuminated that our democracy is immensely fragile, that our nation is immensely divided, and that the words of a leader matter. And even as we strive to become a more perfect union, we still have a lot of work to do, a lot to realize about who we really are. And even as we approach the inauguration of a new administration that offers a renewed sense of hope, this nation is far from perfect. Through viewing the January 6th events and those that came before them, we're also aiming to answer the question of what led up to this. Was this bound to happen? You know, were there clear warning signs we were just ignorant to? Or did we turn a blind eye to the issues deep-rooted in the integrity of American democracy? As young people, we're finding our place in this fight as citizens within our commonwealth and country. We've rallied, we've protested, we've voiced, and above all, we've listened to the chaos and the calmness. Among everything that this election cycle has taught me personally, what's been most meaningful is hope. The idea of how the nation's future will be determined by our generation's drive to set an example for our country, to embrace equity and empathy in the midst of a revolution, and to come back from the events that occurred on January 6th. Thank you all for joining us today. Um, Just to start, we wanted to just go around and tell us your name and a little bit about yourself. Islam, why don't you start? My name is Islam Ambasharia. I'm in 11th grade and I moved here from Malaysia. Good morning. My name is Tegan Fowler. I use she, her pronouns, and I've lived in Kentucky my whole life. I've been involved with local and international activist groups. Hi, my name is Amina Salahu. I'm 17 years old from Syracuse, New York currently a senior in high school. Um, My pronouns are she, her, and I'm really um, passionate about education justice as well as gender equality. 
Hi, my name is Ava Hadland. I'm a junior at Lafayette and I'm really interested in international relations and I hope to pursue that in college next year. I'm graduating early. Hi, my name is Jackson Green. I'm 16, I'm a junior in high school. I'm a musician, trumpet player, piano player, singer, and I want to be the president of the United States in the future. That's awesome. And I'm so glad we have such an ambitious group of students because that's really where we want this discussion to go. So I want to get right into it. Obviously, you all know what happened on January 6th. It stunned the nation. And for some people, it was inevitable. Some people saw this coming, but others didn't. I want to go ahead and start off and ask in one to two words, what would you describe the January 6th uprising as? And we'll start with Tegan. State-sponsored domestic terrorism by white supremacists. Ava, what do you think? Probably a riot. Islam, what about you? Honestly, insane. Was not expecting it. Jackson? Planned and insurrection. And what about you, Amina? Um, a terrorist attack. So now we just want to start off with some discussion. Uh, feel free to speak whenever you feel called to, but do keep in mind that we want to keep some structure and not putting other people's opinions down. So just a question to start us off. What do you think a good leader means to you? Does it have to do more with party or morality? I think that a leader can be from any party. There is being president of the United States does force you to make some hard choices, but to effectively lead our country in a better direction than where it has been going, you have to have strong morals and ethics and value human life. Yeah, I think being a good leader is definitely a mix of both. Not only do you need to be um, strong in the sense where they're respected by the body they govern, um, they also need to be um, have empathy and be able to understand the people that they're governing. Like they need to be able to respect the, I guess, beliefs and different beliefs of their people. Cause it's also a mix of, you know, being respected by your country, but also being able to respect the people you're leading. I think a leader fundamentally is not a partisan position at all. It's rooted in truth. And I think it's rooted in balancing a fine line between being able to appreciate the values of a country or any type of government that they're leading, um, whilst also understanding the progression of the times and understanding modern society and what it entails without violating their own morality or the morality of the people they govern. And Ava, I think that's really interesting too. And I want to chime in really fast and just ask everyone before we get to Islam on what you think being a good leader means. Do we think we've seen that in the past four years? I just want to know what you all think. And maybe we can start with Jackson for that. Yeah, I, I think that especially being the president's it is an impossible job and you're going to be flawed. No human being can do that job without, without receiving criticism that's valid. But to answer the question, I think in the last four years, we've seen, we've seen work being done. We've seen representation of the people who elected him. Um, we've definitely seen some negativity. We've definitely... Uh, seen some bad sides of him but I think uh, he did what the people who elected him wanted him to do for the most part and I think that speaks to one just you know people's beliefs right you know it's not like someone whoever ends up in office doesn't just end up there because of nothing right there's people that elect them which is a mirror image it's a reflection of the country itself it's not a joke to think that, you know, millions of people voted for a certain individual and then also recognize that that individual is not the, you know, beacon for America. Um, Amina, I'm curious to hear your perspective on that. Do you think we've seen that truth and that quality of a leader that Ava was describing before in the last four years? Being completely honest, no. 
Um, I really agree with what Jackson said. I think that's really interesting in the sense of where um, our past president did a great job leading the people that, you know, mostly elected him. He did a great job representing them. But also when you run a country, it's not just about who, you know, who favored you, who elected you, who got you to that position, that being able to still support everyone. Like I remember in one of Biden's speech, him saying that even if you didn't vote for me, I'm going to be there for you. Like I'm your president now. I'm going to support you. And I definitely think Trump failed to do that, where, um, like Jackson was saying, he definitely only kind of was, um, I, can, I don't know, like in a sense, cared about the, a certain group of people. You only represent the people who are going to elect you again. Instead of really being a leader for the country, I feel like Trump spent the last four years governing in a way that he could build his base and ensure that he would be elected again. And he failed. Ava, what do you think? Well, really, I just want to first say that I actually also completely agree with what Jackson said that um, in 2016, Trump was successful in being elected based on his um, platform supporters, their uh, votes, and the last four years have essentially been continuing to, I want to be careful, but rile up his base into a climax of I believe 2020 to be reelected and that he was highly successful in catering to what half of the population of conservatives, um, but not explicitly conservatives, I would say more just entire, just Trump supporters. I wanna be careful of like distinguishing them because I think a difference has arisen between traditional Republicans and Trump supporters, but I agree that Trump was successful in catering to their needs in the government, but then you also think about how he alienated the other half of what the country stands for and really what the country should stand for. And now Islam, I wanna go back to you on that same question. What does being a quote, good leader mean to you? And to you, does it have more to do with party or morality? And have you seen that in the last four years? Morality, for sure. A good leader is someone who should be able to put his people, his or her people, in front of them all the time. There should never be any kind of selfishness. Any decision that they make has to be for the people. And in terms of the last four years, I don't think I can 100% say that Trump made every decision for the people. So now speaking off of Ava's point with, you know, what qualities America should stand for, what we should see in our country, what do you think that the values are, the most important values are that America should stand for? Equality, number one. Uh, and then after that, freedom. Those are, those are the big two for me, equality and freedom. And once we have those two, we can move on to other things. Tegan, what do you think about that? I mean, we've definitely seen exactly what we're not proud of in this country. Um, people have been saying, this is not the America that we are. This is not who we are. When in fact, what we saw on the 6th is exactly what our history of genocide, war, and just overthrowing different governments has been. But the, but the America I would like to see and I believe in is, has equity, justice, it's progressive, it reforms for the people, and it has regular people in the government making decisions for the people whose lives they've lived. Mina, could you tell us a little bit about your stance on that? Yeah, I feel like um, a core value of America that still stands today, even though a lot of people don't see it, is diversity. Like in the sense of since um, America was like created, it's been created off the backs of immigrants and other people who have came here and contributed to what is now known as America. So I think diversity is a very lasting core value that will always be within this country. And I also um, agree that freedom, individual freedom is a really important value that we have in this country because 
not only can people speak upon their opinions like we're doing now, but individual freedom also leads to people being able to have justice and um, things of that sense. Islam, I'm just curious to know what you think the true American values are and whether you think we've lived up to those in not even just the last four years, but let's just say the decade. Okay, well, (laughs) at the beginning of the decade, I really didn't know what to expect. I, I really didn't. Um, but now after living here for, I don't know, like seven years, eight years almost, the true American way, the values that represent that, they aren't always, they don't always seem in the right. It seems to be a lot more selfish than I thought it would be. I mean, yeah, you can spin it however you want it and have it sound good, but you can do that with anything. And now it just, it doesn't seem like that. There's way too many people that are motivated by business. There's way too many politicians who don't really care about the people. All in all, it's not the best kind of, I mean, it's a good system, but I I just doesn't seem to be used very well. Does that make sense? I think that's interesting because that situates where we want this discussion to go. So at a macro scale, we're looking at the values of American democracy. We are on one side of the aisle. Some people are saying that this act that happened on January 6th was a destruction of American democracy and the integrity of our democratic system of government. On the other side, Some people are looking at it as a demonstration and um, a means by which people could really portray what they felt about the government and the way the 2020 election played out. I want to think now more towards what specifically happened on January 6th. And I'm curious to hear what Ava has to say on this first. Ava, what do you think caused this insurrection? Several news organizations and Folks across the country have pointed out that Donald Trump's rhetoric directly informed the insurrection that took place. Do you think that was what directly fed this uprising or was there something else? I think there are two sources for where this event came from. I think more directly, yes, I think Donald Trump, his words spoken at his rally to his supporters were definitely, um, what are even the words to describe it? Um, They incited what occurred, the march, as I think he put it, although I'm not gonna quote that, um, on the Capitol. But in saying that, No, I do not think that is the only reason this happened. I think for a decade, the, and playing off what we were just speaking about, the democratic values that we see America as has been lost. We haven't seen them because we saw Charlottesville with white supremacists. We've seen the lack of protection of minorities And I believe that the lack of condemnation from the government of certain acts and certain beliefs, which are threatening certain lives and the livelihoods of a large majority of this country has culminated through this very partisan conflict into what happened at the Capitol, however pathway you see it to be, um, I think it was a long time coming. Definitely. Tian, what about you? I do think that Trump has made, in the past four or five years, has made a culture and a climate where more radical views on the right side have been accepted, like white supremacy, blatant racism, Islamophobia, homophobia, everything, every form of hate has been more widely accepted and has, he has created a space where that is okay and normal. 
So yes, I do think that he fueled the rally from his first speech at his inauguration to his last speech right before the Capitol riot, but it's been coming for way over a decade. I would argue the entire existence of our country because this is what we were built on. We were not only built on immigrants and the promise of freedom. We were built on hate, stolen land, genocide, slavery. And those attitudes have always been within people. And now they've, in an era of increased politicalization, it has become the right time. Like he just, he was the match. The fire was already burning, but he just added some gasoline. And I'm curious to hear what Jackson has to say to this too, but I think Tegan, you bring up a good point that for some people, this was just a moment, right? It was once again, like we were saying, maybe something that was obviously unprecedented, but something that no one really saw coming. For others, you know, they recognize that this was a mindset issue. So it's really that divide between, was this a mindset or just a moment, right? And I think when we speak to the integrity of what our democracy stands for, that's what we need to look at. It goes beyond just the past four years, the past decade. It goes back to our nation's history, like you were saying. Um, But Jackson, I want to hear what you have to say on that too. Do you think that Donald Trump's rhetoric directly incited this insurrection or even indirectly maybe or do you think there was something else that played a key factor in this playing out i think that if donald trump's rhetoric did incite this it was definitely indirectly but i listened to what he said and i honestly think no matter what he said it still would have happened i guess i'm biased i like donald trump so but i i I, just, I think that was going to happen either way. And to be honest, when I looked at my phone and saw that that was happening on January 6th, I honestly was not surprised. Um, it just, just felt all too normal. people. Yeah, seriously. Just, I mean, insane people are going to be insane and do what they're going to do. Uh, I think I can speak for the president by saying those that small sector of, I guess, Trump supporters don't represent us, um, that no, nobody wanted that to happen. And um, we all condemn it. It should have been a, a moment of national unity in condemning that. Uh, turned out really not to be because, of course, we all divided over that issue. But that's my opinion on it. I have a genuine question for you, Jackson, because I haven't met a lot of people who are as open to communication as you. What do you think does represent um, Trump supporters and that sect of the Republican Party? The positive things that represent us are we don't like politicians, which is why uh, initially we did like him because he identified as not a politician and uh freedom like second amendment i honestly am not that i mean like i i want the second amendment not to be messed with but i'm not like a big gun guy so i don't really care about that but most trump supporters do so that's one of the things just being honest i know most people who don't like trump think he's super dishonest which i kind of disagree i'm sure he has lied or said some things that have ended up not being true but for i i trust him more than i trust any other politician mainly because he's not money isn't an issue with him obviously so he's not getting paid by anybody to do anything or say anything and i think that's i think that is why he was elected because people like the sound of that they're like wow this dude doesn't need this dude is not getting paid by anybody he's self-funded this dude is not a politician. He just gave out an honest vibe. Like he gave out a vibe that he was telling the truth. And genuinely, the only reason he wanted to be president was because he hated seeing what had been happening for the past 20 years and he wanted to change it. And he's a hard worker. Nobody's going to deny that. And he's going to get up every day in the White House and 
work dawn to dusk for us and i think people like the sound of that and that's why people support him and that's why he's the president of the country right now i disagree with some of the points you made i do agree that he's been blatantly honest about his views at times but i really appreciate you explaining that to me it's really opened my eyes to just see what the other side is like and there shouldn't be sides it's crazy that there are yeah kind of going back to the previous question about um like was this caused by trump i think some of the things jackson was really interested interesting because for one of course like in any group or something there can't be just one group that does something that represents the whole group like jackson was saying not all trump supporters are that way but i think that's really interesting because when um a typical terrorist attack happens and the person is not white, usually of Arab descent, it's, oh, all Muslims are bad, you know, and it's probably even three people. When there were thousands of people at the Capitol, thousands, it's, you know, it's okay, that's just someone, which makes sense, of course, you know, I know people are Trump supporters who aren't, you know, like that, but it's pretty interesting this way, um, I guess, things are viewed, like, racially. And also, um, additionally, I really like what Jackson was saying about how, you know, he knows that's not the way like real Trump supporters are. That's not, you know, the way they believe. But it's interesting that Trump, the um, the man of, you know, what they glorify, he wasn't even able to condemn them the way Jackson's like, oh no, this is bad. This is not the way we are. So I think that's really interesting that the president wasn't even able to really say anything against them. I think the reason why is I think he supported that i mean he was watching the news he was glued to the tv in the oval office and definitely this has been been treated as like a lone wolf situation instead of a whole trump supporter thing and that's a lot of that is because of white supremacy and i definitely agree with you yeah i think all of your opinions so far have been extremely well reflective of what you think of the country and what everything you know is leading up to and i think what we've already spoken to a lot but i just want to give some background on you know prior to the attack president trump held his save america rally Um, he urged his supporters to march down to the capitol and call for the overturning of the election one that has been repeatedly authorized as fair and democratically conducted process. But according to the president, it was not. He says, directly quoted, uh, just take a look, take third world countries. Their elections are more honest than what we've been going through in this country. It's a disgrace. It's a disgrace. Even when you look at last night, they're all running around like chickens with their heads cut off. This rhetoric was widely known and recognized by several people. Do you think this was bound to happen, you know, based off of his direct sayings and his direct, you know, urgings for his people? Um, to be honest, I kind of just thought that it would be a pretty slow burn. Just like everything leading up to what happened, I just thought it would be more of that. And I just thought it would be more of, you know, Trump saying something and then people agreeing or disagreeing with it. But with this, I think, you know, looking back on it now, I feel like it definitely should have been expected. And I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of people expected it. Ava, what are your opinions? Well, if you look at what was being spoken on the Capitol on January 6th, there are people who were saying that the election was stolen from Trump and that was a large driving force in their riot of claiming that the election was falsified and that certain election principles weren't upholded. But I think alongside the election crisis that we went through, which I think, again, we should have expected because of how the presidency has gone, I believe, um, just with the complete partisan divide that's been growing um, with a new faction almost of the Republican Party being created also, so within that party as well. There's also the side of how just in general misinformation or facts that aren't true besides democratic process they have the right entirely 
to check the election results, but to falsify what happened is something that's been growing for a decade before Trump. You know, with Alex Jones, for example, he's a conspiracy theorist. And the supporters on any side that use theorists like his word as a news source and are then catapulted towards certain actions like the cattle riot. I think that's interesting too, because we like keep going back to that notion of rhetoric and how it was collectively, I think we can agree that it was to some extent bound to happen, even though it did come as a shock to a lot of people. Um, But I want to transition to more of like specifics about what exactly happened. So as most of you probably know, a Black Capitol Police officer named Eugene Goodman, he was recognized um, for diverting the mob away from the Senate chamber by himself. Just recently, in fact, House members of both parties are actually looking to honor him with a congressional gold medal for his heroism during the deadly storming of the Capitol. Um, But according to the Associated Press, three days before supporters of President Donald Trump rioted at the Capitol, the Pentagon had asked the United States Capitol Police if they needed National Guard manpower. The Capitol Police declined this request, but as the mob descended on the building on Wednesday, Justice Department leaders reached out to offer FBI agents when more law enforcement officers reached the scene. Tegan, I want to start with you for this one. Do you believe that law enforcement officers did what they were supposed to do? In a way. They definitely did um, what their job entailed by protecting the people in the Capitol, the representatives, the senators, journalists, but they were massively underprepared and this, this insurrection has been organized online for weeks, if not months, and there's been proof of that and there's absolutely no way nobody saw that and didn't think, oh, this is bad. Um, they have the capacity, they had the capacity to do what they were meant to do and protect. What they did was react. Um, we've seen, we've all seen the pictures of, uh, military police, National Guard in full riot gear, standing near the Capitol and standing on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial to protect it against Black Lives Matter protesters. That call was not made until much, much later in the insurrection, the attack, um, they did what they could. Eugene Goodman, we all owe him a debt of gratitude, but so much more could have been done, should have been done. And we see police officers opening the gates to let Trump supporters in and taking selfies with them. So a lot of individual bias got in the way of their job. Mina, I want to hear a little bit from you too, because I know you've spent a lot of time focusing on the move towards racial justice. And I think Tegan hit this point exactly. How, Amina, was this event different from the protests that we saw for this past summer for racial justice? Do you think people are rightful to be comparing this to those largely peaceful demonstrations? And then Jackson, I want to hear from you after that. Yeah, like Tegan mentioned, like, the very um, obvious differences like when it came to preparation, when it came to the force views, it's like, I don't know, I feel like it's very hard to deny that our country's racist and you can see stuff like that. Um, and I know some people kind of have the defense of, oh, well, Black Lives Matter movements were happening for weeks, they were prepared, they knew what to do. But at the same time with the insurrection, I remember like seeing on CNN news past six o'clock, people were still there, huge groups. I know during Black Lives Matter protests, you're past like, you know, 10 minutes after the curfew, rubber bullets were shot, got peer get So I definitely think saying that they weren't prepared isn't an excuse. And the simple thing is just because of the institutional racism within our country. Um, and going back to what you said about, like, whether the um, Capitol Police are, like, doing the right thing, I 100% think they're doing the right thing in a sense of where, you know, they're told to follow the, their orders, so that's what they, they do. So it's just very, um, I guess, like interesting and sad to see that 
they weren't ever told to really use force, which is clearly demonstrated. Like, this is America. That should never happen. Where tons of people are literally stealing from, um, stealing from the capital, stealing from the house of the people who run our country. So it was very just, very, I guess, eye-opening to see that even occur. Um, yeah. From what I have seen and on my side of things, I absolutely do not at all think that the police did a good job or what they should have done at the Capitol. And I could be wrong because I wasn't there. But I mean, I saw videos of them legitimately, like you said, just like opening the gates and like putting up zero resistance. And I'm addressing this issue not as a Trump supporter, but as an American, like I just, they pretty much just failed the American people. And it seems a little fishy to me that they had that little like resistance doing that. I mean, I think the Capitol should probably be one of the most protected buildings in our entire nation. And it obviously isn't. But as far as comparing it to what happened in June, I hate comparing it to what happened in June. I don't really think we should. I think those are two completely different things. And I think both parties agree with that. And yeah, I, I don't think they should be compared. Islam. All right. So just in response to what Jackson said about you know the gates being suspiciously opened for all the insurrectionists. I I don't know if this is 100% true, of course, but I'm I mean I'm sure some of you may have heard something like this too. But what I heard is that the reason why some gates were just opened deliberately was because well there there were multiple barriers of protection going up to the Capitol, right? And the first barriers were basically run over. And those first barriers have police too. Now, if those first barriers were run over, then it would be, it would make sense to think that the people at the second barrier would just be asked to open the barriers because they didn't want to, you know, risk their lives and get run over as well. Yeah, that's interesting. So what do you think this means for the future of our nation? Do you think that it's changed the climate of our country? Clearly it has changed the thinking of the people in our country. But Ava, we'll start on you. What do you think it means for, what are the next steps? Well, I think that's difficult because while this specific event and the gravity of what happened is unprecedented, the, this type of gathering of this ideology um, has happened before at a smaller scale and nothing came of it. They went back into the shadows. We didn't hear about it and it, it, it just went away. The, no one discussed it, but I think in this blatant and symbolic act on the Capitol, which we all see as the root of our democracy for hundreds of years, it has definitely gone from a less spotlighted issue that can reside somewhere else to something that I think is going to become more debated and more of a problem as I think people of that ideology grow more confident that their beliefs aren't being condemned and are instead whether directly or indirectly being fueled by the climate, by political figures, by their own companions. So I do think that a change has happened in how people view their ideas and how they express them and how courageous they are to express them. And I think a lot will come of it. I agree with you. It's definitely a turning point, And this has been a long time coming. One of the things I see coming from this attack on the Capitol is the creation of a third party, like a major third party. I, for one, and all four for the 
destruction of the two-party system. I think it is harmful and both parties are inherently working for their own interests and not really representing the people. But like Jackson said, and like we've all been talking about, this is not the, these are not the values of moderate Republicans. And now more than ever, there's being, there's a split. There's people distancing themselves from these domestic terrorists and white supremacists. So I think this will be a creation of another political party, a more extreme right-wing one. And oh boy, if we don't give, if Congress doesn't make sure that there are any consequences for Donald Trump, it will send the message that, hey, as long as you're in the last few weeks of your presidency, you can encourage an insurrection. You can encourage a terrorist attack. Um, This will forever be remembered everyone saw it coming in some way or another. And I think it will create more moderate, more moderates. Mainly it's just, it's scary, but we've all seen it coming. You know, we've spoken on what the future steps are for our country, um, but following the riot, people became increasingly focused on the members of Congress who refused to wear a mask because they were sheltered in place. And then days later, Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal and Bonnie Watson Coleman tested positive for COVID-19, which they claimed to have been exposed to by their fellow GOP members of Congress who had repeatedly refused to wear a mask. Keep in mind that even in the midst of political turmoil, this pandemic is still at its height. And even if media outlets may not have been reporting on it at the moment, it was still taking the lives of thousands of individuals. What do you think about this? Do you think that the members of Congress rightfully made the decision to point fingers at Republican members of Congress? Amina, what do you think? Um, yeah, well, um, I, mean, I think it's kind of hard to say to like them, if they were focused on them to blame other members of Congress, but like, you know, obviously everyone's trying to do the best they can to protect themselves, to make sure they're staying safe and not bringing things home to their family, putting other individuals, um, but yeah, I definitely think in the sense, like, if people around you aren't going to wear a mask, they're not going to listen to it, and then you're the one who gets sick. Yeah, in a sense, their fault, because they were selfish enough, they didn't care about the people around them, um, which, you know, caused that person to get COVID. But yeah, it's a very complex thing, like you were saying, um, how a lot of how a lot of them um, don't wear masks, like, obviously, that's terrible, and I just think it's rude from, like, being, like, selfish, but yeah. Awesome. And I want to ask another question, which really encapsulates the whole thing. I think it serves as a testament to the fact that our nation has a lot of growing and changing to do, even as we see a new administration come into the White House. Jackson, I want to start with you for this question. So in a recorded statement following the attack, President Trump did not explicitly condemn the violence that played out at the Capitol for The first time in our nation's history, the Confederate flag, a symbol of bigotry and discrimination and hatred and white supremacy, was brought into this building. Anti-Semitic symbols were outrightly displayed. Rioters stole belongings of members of Congress, including the Speaker of the House's lectern. They risked the lives of our nation's most prestigious lawmakers and illuminated a stark national security threat that several of us have alluded to so far. Yet in this recording statement that was released just after the attack happened, President Trump stated, quote, this was a fraudulent election. Go home. We love you. You were very special, often referring to such individuals as, quote, American patriots without actually condemning this violent act. So two questions for you, Jackson, and then I want to hear from Tegan as well. One, what does it truly mean to be patriotic to you? And two, do you think what he said was enough? I want to answer the second one first. Um, I don't think what he said was enough right there. And I think he made it an error. I think he, I think he just was scared, honestly, to, um, to explicitly just condemn his own supporters, which he should have. But I think he just thought for a second, he was just like, you know, like, am I shooting myself in the foot by doing this? So he tried to, you know, kind of 
word it in a way that would not be terrible, but wouldn't really, you know, make his supporters mad. And I think he shouldn't have done that. I think that was selfish of him. And as we all know, he struggles with pride. So I think that was one of his errors. So I don't stand by that. And what it truly means to be patriotic, I think it means to love your country with everything in you to the point where you would die for it. And I, th I think it means that even that you stand with your country before you stand with Donald Trump or Joe Biden or any party. I, I think it means that in whatever way this manifests, I think it means that you stay with your country before anything else. To me, there's a difference. Actually, no. Textbook definition, there is a difference between patriotism and nationalism. Nationalism is what we saw. Um, it was following, following the suggestions and rhetoric of one leader, ignoring the Constitution. They directly went against the 14th Amendment. Res I think patriotism is a respect, um, is a respect for your country and knowing that we have the responsibility to use our voices, use our votes, um, use our First Amendment right to protest and assembly to direct lawmakers towards what we the people need and want. What we saw was not patriotic. It was nationalistic, it was dangerous, it was deadly. And yet if the shoe was on the other foot, it would be looked at very differently. This did not even come close to a good reason to storm the Capitol for a fraudulent election that has been overturned so many times. It hasn't, it's been tried in court, it's been rejected in court. Honestly, this summer would have had more of a, the Black Lives Matter protesters um, or the Japanese internment camps or Native Americans whose lands, lives and culture has been stolen. That is a more acceptable reason to storm the Capitol. And, oh boy. The second question was, could you repeat it back to me, please? Yeah. Um, what does it truly mean to be patriotic to you? And do you think what was said was enough? Oh, absolutely not. I do not believe what was said was enough. Um, he did not want to make that statement. I believe he was forced by his aides and specifically Jared Kushner because he is the only one um, that he will listen to. He was forced to make that statement. It was nowhere near enough. People have been had been begging him um republican senators democrats regular people watching horrified from their homes asking him to condemn this and tell them to go home because he's the only person that those white supremacists and domestic terrorists will listen to his message made a very very purposely thinly veiled attempt to tell them to go home when he was really just adding fuel to the fire, saying this was fraudulent, this was stolen from us. He did not concede. And he sent the message saying, you are very special, we love you. He sent the message that he endorsed this and that only gave them more strength. I like that. And I really like how you put it to perspective on a much larger scale that it goes beyond just what happened today. This is going to speak for generations, quite frankly, because this was so unprecedented. I want to ask one of our last questions and point this towards Islam, because I think you have some specific insight to share from what you've already shared with us today. As of right now, according to the Justice Department, approximately 40 individuals have been arrested and charged in a superior court um, with offenses, including but not limited to unlawful entry, curfew violations, and firearms-related crimes. Islam, what do you think the most appropriate action is to be taken after this? If any of us were to storm up into the Capitol right now, we would all be arrested. And I, well, I mean, I don't know what that sentence could be, but I think it would definitely be a long one. It would be hard to do this, and I, I don't think it's practical, but all of these people should definitely be jailed should definitely get a long prison time. These people are not really like, okay, this is just my opinion. But when I, when I look at it, it just seems they are brainwashed to just think that whatever their party is doing is in the right and that the other party is a villain. And honestly, this is something that is so prevalent through American culture already. But 
it's never been like this since the Civil War, I guess is what I'm trying to say. But um, obviously, it wouldn't be practical to put all these people in prison. So I don't know. I guess they should just have anklet, anklet braces. That's a great response. Just to wrap up, um, and we'll start with Amina on this one, because I know you are very passionate about student voice and you've worked with a lot of organizations that speak out about that. Um, what position or what stake do you feel like young people have to speak up about these happenings on January 6th? I definitely think, um, for one, like I strongly believe that like us, the youth, we're really, like we're the future. We're the ones who are gonna be the future politicians, et cetera, future leaders um, and current change makers. But I think it's really important that for one, we're all living through this, we're all experiencing this at the same time. It definitely changes our um, perspectives a lot. Like we're, I feel like a lot of people are now able to understand and identify and like, I guess, um, accept the reality that our country is extremely racist. Um, additionally, I think it's really great that a lot of students and like young people are really speaking out what's happening. Like for example, this conversation happening right now, it's really great. Additionally, of course, there are still people who don't see it as anything, people who don't really see it as, you know, um, people that just see it as a, as an act of freedom of speech um, and things of that nature. But I also think it's really um, interesting to see the way people are educating each other. Like I know in the summer when it came to like Black Lives Matter movement, people were trying to also still educate each other. And I feel like, although it has to happen when something like terrible, I guess, occurs, it's nice to see that students still care about what's going on, are still trying to have conversations about, are still getting, um, you know, having discussion and things of that such. But yeah, I definitely think it is pretty interesting to see how the near future will look like because of this. I love that, Amina. I totally agree. But that about wraps up this discussion. Uh, thank you all so much for joining us today and sharing your thoughts and opinions. We love your willingness to participate in this first episode. It's kind of a milestone, so we're really excited to see where things go after this, but thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to this first episode of Perspective. We will have episodes released every Monday, so be sure to follow us on Instagram at perspective.pd to hear about upcoming episodes, roundtable participants, and special guests. Thank you so much for tuning in and we hope to see you back next week.